of the Jupiter Farms Residence Podcast. We are now on Season 2, Episode 10. I'm Matt, and with us today is Jillian and Kristen. And uh, everybody say hello. Hello. And also with us today, we have our very special guest, Mike Martinez from the Jupiter Inlet District. He is our representative, our elected representative out here for the Jupiter Inlet District. And we're going to find out more of what that means. Hi, Mike. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate you having me. My right. pleasure. Now, now, I have a question. What do you guys do? You know, that's a great question. A, a lot of people don't know what we do. Uh, we uh, tend to fly under the radar, but uh, we do very good work. We are recognized by federal, state, local government agencies as doing good work. We have a 92-square-mile district, which uh, most people don't realize. A lot yeah, of- I mean, your, your boundaries go from, like, you know, Palm, Palm Beach-Martin County line on the north, uh, the obviously the Atlantic Ocean on the east, and, like, all the way out to Pratt-Whitney, Beeline, and Townships 41 and 42. I mean, you, you guys are huge, and you're on our tax rolls. So, you know, we, we pay money, we elect our officials, but we don't really know what goes on at the Jupiter Inlet District. So you're here to fill us in. You had that correctly. We have the, the southern boundary is right on the north side of uh, the Garden Small. And again, from the ocean to Brett Whitney Road, and then the Martin County line is the northern boundary. It's uh, 92 square miles, and every resident of the area that pays ad valorem taxes is represented in the district. Um, You might know that the district is the oldest uh, local government in northern Palm Beach County. It was established in 1921. And our enabling uh, legislation provides for the maintenance and preservation of the Jupiter Inlet, the Loxahatchee River, and its tributaries. And um, together with the imposition of district-wide ad valorem property taxes so that we can fund our continued operations. So you're more than just the inlet, like everybody seems to uh, think by the name of the organization. You obviously based on the boundaries, you have a lot of work to do out this way. A lot of people think we're the Jupiter Inlet colony. And uh, (laughs) we maintain the Jupiter Inlet for safe navigation. That is our main task. We also are tasked with uh, uh, maintaining and protecting, maintaining and enhancing the Loxahatchee River for recreation and ecology. While we manage the Jupiter Inlet for safe navigation, we also contribute to beach erosion uh, control on the beaches south of the inlet. We have now. When you say you protect the inlet, you guys are out there with like muskets and um, uh, small armaments, right? And not quite. Um, hey, Susan. Is that Susan that just? Joined? For those of you at home, Susan Kennedy just joined us. Hi, Susan Kennedy. It's because David David wouldn't let me in. <laughs> I told him not to. Good to see you, Susan. Thanks. So we are mandated to 
replace the deficit of sand on the beach on an annual basis. And what we do is we trap that sand uh, within the uh, uh, center of the inlet. We have a sand trap that's like almost a thousand feet long, uh, 995 feet by uh, almost 300 feet and 20 feet deep. Annually, we go in and we typically collect an average of 60,000 cubic yards of sand from the trap on a yearly average. Right now, we have 100,000 cubic yards of sand in the trap, more than we've ever had historically. We think that some of the dredging projects that the county recently did put a lot of sand into motion and in, in, uh, migrated in the inlet. However, we are going to be putting that sand on the beach now in November after turtle season. It's over. That's awesome. Um, there, there seems to be like so many moving pieces regarding regarding this. And it's something, honestly, I, I've never paid attention to. Out in Jupiter Farms, I'm not a boater. I go on other people's boats. Uh, I've never had to navigate it. But it, it seems like what you guys do is really important not only just for, for the inlet for boaters, but all, all up the entire river and the Loxahatchee as well. If I take you up the Loxahatchee now, you'll, um, you'll notice that we're working on a living shorelines project now with a Bureau of Land Management at the Coast Guard Station. And that project is ongoing now there. That is being created as a project for awareness so that we can promote environmental restoration in the river for property owners to get away from the vertical seawalls and create habitat and a much better for, for both uh, fish and wave action bouncing off a vertical seawall and erodes the bottom and in time you have to replace those seawalls. But primarily, it will recruit seagrasses, it will recruit juvenile fish, it will harbor juvenile fish from other predator species that have no protection up against a vertical seawall. That project is ongoing now. It's going to probably be finished within 2021. Which is when you guys are going to be celebrating your 100th birthday. What do you, how, how does the Jupiter Inlet District go out and celebrate 100 birthdays? Well, we're, we're budgeting um, uh, for that project. We're, it's in the planning stages now, but we have put it in the budget for this year. Well, the biggest thing we have going there now is the railway bridge span across the Loxahatchee River for the Bright Lines train. And we um, fought with the Bright Lines people for a long time trying to get our boating population better access to in and out of the river during bridge closures. That bridge, the Vascule Bridge, is uh, scheduled to be down and closed for 50% of the time, or 60 minutes in a two-hour span. It will be in the down position. And the clearance at that bridge is only like four feet. We did the studies for two years. We had cameras at the Bascule Bridge to see the amount of boating traffic that was going through the bridge. And we determined that 
the average boat that's used in the river has a eight foot clearance. We managed to get the Bright Lines people to agree to a eight feet, three inch vertical uh, clearance to construct a new bridge span on the south side of the river uh, crossing. So we're very feel good about that. We're, we're cost sharing this project with Bright Lines, Florida Inland Navigation, and it's costing $2.5 million to get this bridge fan over the river. But uh, we feel that the boating population will be well served by this project. Uh, I'm sure that that was not easy um, easy to, to negotiate. Well, they were. They didn't want to do it at all. And we thought instead of fighting with them and spending a lot of money in legal action and and so, Mike, one, one of the things that you obviously bring to this position is the institutional history. You, you, you've been serving on the Jupiter Inlet District for how many years now? 32 years in January. What got you interested in to serve 32 years ago? This is not a job that people get rich. This is not a position where, you know, uh, people really use it as a stepping stone. What brought you to it? Why, why the interest? Well, let me take you back. I grew up in West Palm Beach when the only things that we had to do sports-wise were either uh, high school sports or water sports. I enjoyed surfing, skiing, diving, fishing, anything over or under the water was what we had to do. was It was cheap <laughs> and it was fun. And so my whole entire background was water-oriented, and I wanted to give back to the community, and I wanted to participate. Uh, and and no, We're not doing it from the pocketbook. We do it from the heart. Three of us have been on the board now. Uh, Tom Howard, which has been on as long as I have, and George Antio has been on the district for about eight years, we are very fiscally responsible, uh, strive to have well-balanced management where we try to be fair to all participants. And that does not exclude environmental versus navigation. We balance that well. So Mike, for people who are out here listening to this podcast, obviously it's Jupiter Farms. Why is Jupiter Farms part of the Jupiter River Inlet District? I mean, you know, we, we have areas of, of Jupiter Farms that are under Loxahatchee River District. We have, uh, so that there are people that pay into that as a special district. We have Sir Wicket, obviously. For me, why, when they created the district 100 years ago, did they draw it 92 miles? Well, because it's basically a drainage district or the whole river basin includes the Loxahatchee Slough, Hungryland Slough, uh, out in the Corbett area, all the wetlands west of town or west and south of, of Jupiter Farms and Jupiter Farms all sheet flow into the Loxahatchee River. Recent so it's the inter interconnectivity of all of the waters basically in this area. Right. We work 
with the water management district is the one that's tasked with the maintaining minimum flows into the uh, northwest fork of the Loxahatchee. So do all of these special taxing districts get along all the time? Uh, I think for the most part we do. There's uh, a lot of um, issues in the works where the water's diverted from. I think probably Susan would be able to make better sense of that. I I would say the answer to your question is that for the most part, the districts get along with each other. I think especially when it comes to river protection and watershed protection. I think the disputes come up when one district might be perhaps overreaching their authority into another district. And there's also like the beginnings of water wars, you know, it's yeah. like Grassy Creek, I mean, Grassy Waters Preserve, which was known as the water catchment area years ago, which is the uh, main water source for the city of West Palm Beach. That water is no longer being diverted to us. But there's that competing interest, but also we have endangered species in grassy waters. The snail kite, that's one of the major nesting sites for the snail kite. It, everything is tied together. And, and so in our wells, right? Right. That's well, what I was going to yeah. ask. Will it affect our wells? Sure, absolutely. And so it's important for all of these agencies to work together. And there are, you know, there were, are times when all of them do sit down at the table together, when they're working out plans for the North Palm Beach County Comprehensive Everglades restoration projects and the North Palm Beach County water plans that morphed into something else. So there are regional considerations that each of these special districts have to take into consideration because none of them really operate completely independently. Our main task is the inlet. And although we do work in the river, the work that we do there is we need that water here at the at the North County and we needed not just like Kristen said, to renourish our wells, but also for the health of the river. And one of the big things that the Jupiter Inlet District has been very successful with is finding matching funding, partner funding, in order to do some river work issues. Wow, that's um, it, it's it's amazing. The issues out here are are so intricately tied in together and and how many how many things affect other things which affect other things and you know it's not that necessarily a snowball effect but um it, it it's just the awareness that we all need to have and and mike i just really want to want to thank you for for doing what you you're doing and what you've done for 30 years what what happens when you decide to call it quits what do, what do, what 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 i mean the institutional history that you have for being from serving uh the communities like this for 30 years is is something that you know really needs to be pointed out and you know where does it go from here well i can tell you that after this term, I will have served for 36 years. And if it hadn't been for the projects that we're working on now with the Bright Lines uh, Railway uh, Bridge Band, and also we're just getting into a, a, a 
brand new project that is strictly environmental, which is uh, we're going to conduct a sediment study of the central embayment area and its tributaries to uh, find exactly what we did a study of this sort 20 some years ago, the university of Florida did that for us. And some of that sediment has been around for thousands of years, the tides, the uh, runoff, the, um, there has been a redistribution of sediment within the central embayment area. And we're going to identify where those areas are. As you enter into the river on the right, I don't know if you all boat and and use that area so you can picture what I'm talking about. But as you enter into the river, there was a little mangrove island on the right side, on the north side of the main channel. That sandbar has disappeared uh or that little island has disappeared and now that sand has migrated almost all the way to the north fork uh entrance and has basically landlocked all of the uh, residents that live on the north side of the river there between the bridge and the north fork they have very little access to to get their boats in and out because of this redistribution. There's also another area that's collecting a lot of sand on the south side of the river, just west of the railroad bridge. And that's a huge sandbar that has accumulated there in the last 20 years. And at low tide, you can see it from the uh, alternate A1A bridge that it sticks out of the water about a foot, maybe more. And we would like to find out where that sand is coming from and to try to restore the area back to the historical depth that once occurred. Um, Another project that we just finished, and this is really cool, is we did a major uh, restoration and enhancement of the mangrove island, which is right there at the east end of the sandbar. And we armored the area, created a much bigger island uh, by adding riprap around the perimeter in the center of it, which used to be a mosquito impoundment area back in the 60s. It's a wonderful place for children to snorkel and and swim in a uh, safe, harbored uh, area. There's a lot of juvenile conch a lot of uh, juvenile snapper and tropical fish. And it's really a nice area, which is serving an environmental and, and also a recreational area. And it's, it's, it's great. So it sounds like with all these projects, you're up to your 39th year in the term, maybe your 42nd year in the term. Um, I think that I'm going to go that, although while we were, having a family function and I was telling my sister said, uh, this is it for me. I'm done. I said, Oh no, you got to go one more term. So you could say that you had 40 years of public service, but you know what? 36 is long enough. I, uh, like I said, I wanted to stay on, on the board this time because the three of us, 
that have been there so long are, are very committed to the to the district. Well, and Mike, you just you just got reelected, Mike, so you don't have to make the decision right now. You've got three years. Well, you know what? The the projects that we're working on are very important to me, and I like to see them through completion. It seems that we've reached the end of another Jupiter Farms Residence podcast. Remember, the Talking Trash is this Saturday, October 3rd at the Jupiter Farms Pavilion parking lot. It starts at 8 a.m. This is a local trash community cleanup that has some great prizes and refreshments and community service hours are offered. Also, coming up in October on the 13th, Jupiter Farms is going to have its second Zoom virtual meeting. Reports and updates from PBSOs for Wicked JFEC, so watch out on social media and in our newsletters for information on how to log in and join us. Remember also that Jupiter Farms Residence is currently taking pre-sale orders for our annual Christmas trees. This year, we are not bringing in extra trees, so make sure that you get your order in before October 15th. You can go to jupiterfarmsresidence.com and click on the graphic, and you'll get more information on how to order. Many thanks again to Mike Martinez from the Jupiter Inlet District for a great informational meeting and a nice introduction to our elected official. So there you go. It's a lot of information. Luckily, you can rewind. You can listen to it all again. And thank you very much to Someone Talk Media and to David Guggenheim for his direction and engineering. And most of all, our thanks to you, our listeners, for streaming and listening to the Jupiter Farms Residence Podcast. So take care, be safe, and we'll be speaking at you uh, before too long from Jupiter Farms. So everybody, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Film roll, sound speeds. We are recording. And then we have the same problem if you come um, up. See, I'm, I'm using my finger so, because the podcast people will see me indicate the... <laughs> the exactly where you are. I see yeah. you on the river. Yes, the crick of the Northwest yeah. Fork. So yeah. I'm sure that all of the podcast people can see my finger as it goes through Jonathan. Can we just call them the pod people? They come from another world, spawned in the light years of space, unleashed to take over the bodies and souls of the people of our planet, bringing a new dimension in terror to the giant super scope screen. The pod people. Uh, Are you sure we're not the pod people? I'm not. Okay. Suddenly, while you're asleep, they'll absorb your minds, your memories. I don't want any part of it. You're forgetting something, Miles. What's that? You have no choice. Matt did not make his noise for you, David. (laughs) It doesn't come out. I'll just reuse what I have. This has been a production of someone talkmedia.com. 